This is the All Sports Podcast devoted to your favorite teams in North Texas. Welcome to Ballsy, a production of the Dallas Morning News and Sports Day. Our weekly show is proudly hosted. Okay, strike that. Our show is hosted by Kevin Sherrington, Evan Grant, and myself. I'm David Moore, and who knows, maybe we'll have a special guest or two along the way. In this episode, we'll be talking about college football. Catch other episodes by subscribing to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. We're also on social media. Just search Ballsy Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and you'll be notified of the latest episode. Don't forget, it's Ballsy with a Z. Are you ready, sports fans? Ballsy starts now. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington, and I am all alone here in the studio. Tommy Noel is, is in the stu- is in the in the production room. Uh, wave, wave, Tommy. Say hello. I, I can say hi. <laughs> you just want me to wave? Yeah, wave. <laughs> Yeah, you forget yeah. that I have a mic back here. Too. Yeah, no, we're trying to forget that. Oh, oh no, yeah, yeah. Tommy! Now I know why you're by yourself out there. Oh my gosh, no, David, David is is uh, doing something else, and Evan is traveling to San Diego for the uh, owners' meetings. Uh, we will have David Moore in here to uh, talk about uh, the Cowboys and what a disaster that was on our Cowboys podcast, uh, and then we will have all three of us uh, for our Rangers podcast, but. For the college podcast, it's, it's just me and you. And so this is going to be okay because um, I don't like being interrupted by these guys, frankly, you know, uh, especially Evan, um, who, who likes to think he knows something about college football, and he really doesn't. So let's talk about the state of football in Texas. It is not good. You know, the state religion is really taking a beating the last couple of weeks. Um, we can't seem to find a team that was willing to step forward and accept the mantle of greatness that this state deserves in football. Uh, you know, we've had a couple of teams that have, have, have done pretty well this year. Bader has found itself on the threshold of a being a bowl team with five wins. It's going to be tough getting that last one. I, I'm, I'm thinking they could beat TCU and make a bowl. Um, that would be good. But uh, but we've also seen the, the rapid decline of TCU this year. And uh, we've, we've seen Texas Tech uh, rise up and, and have its moments. It, it takes just right on the border of being a, a really good team, I think. Uh, and as a matter of fact, I might have picked Texas Tech out there in Lubbock against Texas this weekend, if not for this, uh, the fact that Alan Bowman – once again, uh, suffered a, a partially collapsed lung, uh, which is the second time this year. It's pretty disturbing. It's not the kind of typical injury you see in quarterbacks. He's really been good for Texas Tech this year. You know, that's the thing about Cliff Kingsbury. He can really find quarterbacks. Um, he doesn't always keep them, but he can really find them. And then the ones that, that do stay turn out pretty good uh, for the most part, uh, better than, than a lot of programs can do. So it's really amazing, his uh, track record. So we we've seen that, but then we've seen that the two uh, the, the two big state universities here have really uh, just kind of been all over the map, Texas A and M and Texas. Uh, and you know we're we're kind of used to seeing this at uh, Texas A and M the last few years, where they they start out fast and then they end slow. And uh, I'm not saying that's exactly what's going to happen this year, uh, but it certainly looks like a good possibility uh, at at this point. They, they've got Ole Miss, 
which I'm going to just go ahead and, and, and put that down uh, as a win for the Aggies. Uh, Ole Miss is, is not a bad team, not a good team. Something in between. I think that I think the Aggies can win that game, uh, and then they've got UAB, and that was supposed to be, you know, the uh, November uh, coasting uh, team you know, that, that all the SEC teams schedule, uh, and they didn't turn out that way this year. UAB is really good. That's going to be tough uh, for them. And then, uh, then the last game, of course, is uh, is LSU, and um, we saw last week against Alabama that LSU, once again, doesn't have an offense. Great defense, no offense. Uh, I don't know how much offense you're going to need to beat uh, A&M um, because the Aggies have really struggled this year, once again, with offense. And, uh, and Kellen Mond, at quarterback, has had his moments. And, uh, you know, Jimbo Fisher made the decision early on that he was going to go with Kellen over Nick Starkle, uh, despite the fact that Nick had thrown for 500 yards in the bowl game and seen more of the typical – Jimbo Fisher quarterback uh, that is that was not the case and uh, and you know uh, I, I think maybe to his credit uh, Jimbo has stuck with uh, Kellen he's not created any kind of quarterback controversy at all a lot of times college coaches will bounce back and forth and you know start multiple guys in in, in the games uh, for from one week to the next uh, I don't think that thing is kind of thing is very productive most of the time so they have uh he has stuck with Kellen, uh, for better or worse, and we'll see how that develops uh, from here on out. I think it, it would certainly bode well, you would think, for next year, uh, but to have a whole year as a starter under his belt. And I think probably that's what Jimbo was thinking all along, was that, you know, what are the chances I come in here my first season and, and we really shake things up and, and we win 10 games? I, you know, I don't think anybody really expected that. And uh, from the looks of it, uh, it looks like, you know, a seven or eight win uh, regular season. Um, that's a Kevin Sumlin special. Uh, that, that's the kind of thing that got him fired. I, you know, I, I was not expecting, as I said, Jimbo to come in and, and completely redo this. But that was, uh, to me, the direction they were headed. So uh, then over in Austin, I was there on Saturday, uh, the game against West Virginia, a very odd game. Uh, it seemed like the officials – were asserting themselves maybe just a little bit too much, uh, although it was interesting that uh, we can't seem to get a ruling on anything on whether horns down is actually unsportsmanlike conduct or not. Uh, you know, opponents have been doing that for an awful long time. I can remember we had a picture here in the office when Georgia played Texas uh, after the 1983 season and the and the the. the game that cost uh, Texas a national championship um, and uh, got a, uh, a Georgia quarterback doing the horns down. Well, either that is an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty or it isn't. We're not really sure. Uh, the Associated Press called Bob Bowlesby during the game to ask him, uh, has everybody been told that that is actually unsportsmanlike conduct? And Bob was not aware if it had been or not. Uh, he said it was up to the officials' discretion. Well, uh, the officials decided in this game anyway they were going to call it. Uh, it was it was flashed multiple times by Will Greer, the West Virginia quarterback, and David Sills, the very fine uh, wide receiver. Um, sometimes by both of them at the same time, uh, and that was after they'd already been flagged for it. Uh, so Dana Holgerson said after the game that they had actually asked about it, uh, and they did not get the uh, definitive reply 
which is fairly ridiculous. You know, someone ask you if something's a penalty or not, you know, officials should know. So at any rate, uh, there were a lot of penalties in that game. I believe that, that West Virginia ended up with 140 yards in penalties. It was either 120 or 140. I can't remember which, but it was a lot, uh, a lot in the first half. And um, it, it really felt like, if not for all the penalties, that, that West Virginia might have had an easier time with Texas. Um, I thought it was one of Sam Ellinger's better games. Um, he, he missed some open guys, but he also made some really nice plays. Um, I, I really couldn't fault Texas offense too much. It was Texas defense, which had been at strong point uh, pretty much, a, well, I mean, if you if you can call it that, after the uh, the win over uh, Oklahoma, when they they let that the, the Sooners come roaring back, I don't know if letting them come roaring back is probably the right way to put that. They had a, they were really really good, obviously, and then they finally did kind of uh, uh, push Texas to the brink uh, in that game. But when Texas lost to Oklahoma State in Stillwater, um, after Tom Herman had sat a couple of his defensive backs for for uh, disciplinary reasons and uh, for the, at least the first quarter, uh, then they didn't seem to recover from that. Uh, and they and they hadn't recovered by the time West Virginia rolled in either. And I'll say this, I, I think that that was pretty much what I expected. If they were struggling against Oklahoma State, which is in a down year, what were you going to do against Will Greer, who uh, at one time, and, and maybe still is, a, a, a true Heisman candidate? Uh, he's going to play. He's going to get drafted. Some people think he'll be a first-round draft pick. Um, maybe he'll be the, you know, if, if he lasts to the second round, maybe he'll be the Cowboys' uh, you know, first pick. They don't have the first-round pick, but they got one in the second. Pretty good quarterback, I think. Uh, he throws it pretty well. Uh, but then the Gary Jennings Jr. and David Sills, uh, two really fine receivers. So it was going to be really difficult uh, to hold those guys off. If you're struggling against, uh, you know, the Cowboys, then you're really going to struggle against the Mountaineers. Um, and that's exactly what happened. Texas uh, hung in there, and they and they got a late score, um, a, a nice throw from uh, Elliger to, to uh, Devin Duvernay, and that was really – at that point, you, you felt like – maybe that Texas is going to pull this out. And then, of course, it turned out they had left too much time for West Virginia. And Dana Holgerson uh, said as much after the game. And not only, you know, when they when uh, Will Greer threw the perfect pass to Gary Jennings in the back of the end zone, at that point I think a lot of a lot of coaches would have settled for the uh, – for, for kick the extra point going to overtime. Um, Jason Garrett has shown that he certainly would have done that kind of thing. You know, so on the road – Go uh, get the tie, as he did in Washington, and go into overtime. Of course, the problem with that is is that uh, the old rule, at least in baseball, is that you, you always go for the win on the road. Um, and that's, uh, that's, that should be the rule in football as well, as a matter of fact. And, of course, I guess it helps a little bit, uh, as Holgerson said, that going into the game, he knew exactly that that if it came down uh, to a last play, in the, in the uh, whether to kick the extra point or go for two, go for the win, he was going for two. Uh, he was so committed to it uh, that he did it twice at the end of the game. Texas saw that, uh, that they had a freshman out on coverage against Sills. He called timeout just before Will Greer threw that slant uh, to, uh, to David Sills. Uh, it would have been the winning two-point conversion. Uh, they called timeout again after West Virginia set up for the next play, uh, and that didn't uh, and that didn't stop them either. 
and they, and they still got the uh, the win when Will Greer did the quarterback draw and ran around the left end untouched. So that was kind of a heartbreaking loss for Texas, uh, and uh, and not as I said, totally unexpected. Um, certainly, I, I picked West Virginia to win that game. Uh, I think think they're the better team. I thought going into the season they were probably the better team. Um, well, I, I was pretty sure they were. I, I, Texas really flashed something and showed us a, a lot more. I think this year than we thought, at least early on. Uh, uh, Except for that first game, that lost to Maryland, that wasn't so good. So um, that kind of leaves us here with a a feeling of like, so what is the, what's the big hope for for uh, football teams in Texas this year? You know, it, I I don't think in the Big Twelve, I think you're going to find out that even even a one loss Oklahoma team is not going to make the CFP. Uh, I, I I do believe that Notre Dame is going to win out. And so if you got Notre Dame, you've already got Alabama and Clemson in there. That's that's three. And the fourth team, I believe, will be a Big Ten team. And I believe that will probably be Michigan, judging by everything that's happened so far. Uh, and if that's the case, then uh, the Big 12 gets shut out, the Pac-12 gets shut out, and maybe there's even some conversation about having uh, expanding the the CFP from four to, to at least six. Uh, and our old pal Tim Callishaw has even uh, come aboard that after all these years of being a derelict and uh, supporting the, uh, the the playoff system as is. And, and joining me now in the studio, uh, looking for a, a set of headphones, is is the one and only David Moore. Uh, David, have you have you figured out how to use that? Could you repeat everything you said? <laughs> I usually do. Not Tom, that anyone wants that. Yeah, Tommy, you got David? Is he on? Yeah, can you hear him? Yeah, I can hear him. Okay. I'm just yeah. making sure that you could. We all can hear him. Okay, that's great. <laughs> that's, we can all that's hear not David. necessarily a good thing. No. So, David, it brings me right to the to the whole point of this college podcast. Uh, to, to bail out this season, uh, as bad as it has been once again for Texas teams, um, we're in a real lull here, um, uh, is that we need to get Texas and A&M in the Texas Bowl in Houston. Sure. Texas was in the Texas Bowl last year, whipped up on Missouri, uh, gave Tom Herman a chance to make fun of the Missouri quarterback, Drew Locke, doing his little backpack thing. Uh, so I'm, I'm not sure Texas wants to go back. Tom Herman did, his, um, did himself no favors this past week with the uh, celebration quote, I don't think so. No, no. You know, he, I tell you, it's, it's, it's really – it's just kind of been one thing after another. You know, just, it's just been piling up there. Yeah. Uh, so, and I don't know, you know, from what we, and I, I talked to Chuck Carlson, uh, Carlton, Carlson, Chuck Carlton, uh, our college football expert, uh, he couldn't be on the podcast with us today, but I did talk to him for a few minutes before we came on. And, and, you know, the, the feeling has been that A&M wants no part of Texas. Uh, we don't need to be playing y'all. Uh, and I don't know that Texas wants any part of, of, of A&M either. Uh, where they both are right now in some ways it makes no sense you right know, because they've they're, they're struggling trying to carve out their niche in their own conference and then to throw another i mean texas already has their rivalry game with oklahoma so you're right. going to throw another one in there with a&m which uh when you get a uh you know a, a school that good uh, it, it can be a volatile those as, as we've seen with the texas ou their games their years were Texas had no business winning and Absolutely. really ruined OU season. And, and uh, now you're seeing it the, the other way around some. So the, those are always such a volatile mix 
that uh, you can kind of take yourself out of, of consideration the way things are structured right now. But right now, I don't care. Uh, <laughs> so that, that's Well, a, from an interest standpoint, yeah, yeah. it's clearly. Yeah. And that's one of those things. You always talk about uh, if you really want to do what is in the best interest of your fans and to create a most entertaining product, can, would any fan base at either one of those schools say, no, we don't want to play a&M, we don't want to play Texas. No, they would love to that to be on the schedule every single year. Now, some years you're going to be miserable. Uh, for stretches, for maybe three, four, five years, you're going to be miserable. But, right. But you also believe that, you know what, it's going to swing back and we're going to have our day as well. And so we're going to be the ones that get to, to revel in this and, and relish it. And uh, you, you just take that away and, and – uh, Look, strategically, I understand why they don't do it. But if you're really talking about just entertainment and giving your fans the most entertaining pro- you know, product you can, why wouldn't that be part of it? Yeah, this is, uh, you know, and the way this is set up, the, the SEC kind of allows, uh, they, they get a pool of four or five bowl games, and they say, All right, do you want to go to this one? How do you feel about that one? And they, and they kind of work it out that way. And, and uh uh, I don't know, as I said, whether they would want to do this. But, you know, at some point, people have got to get together and realize is that uh, there's nothing left to play for here in this yeah. in this league right now, right? In Texas, we, we need to know who's the better team. And uh, and that would be fun to find out because, you know, we don't really know. I, I went into this season thinking that Texas should be ahead of A&M simply because Tom Herman has, mm-hmm. has now got a, had a year under his belt and, and uh, Jimbo Fisher was just coming in and what was he going to do it with his quarterbacks and all that. And, you know, it, what is so funny is that you, you know, I get this uh, uh, feedback from fans on both sides, of course, and, and it's always uh, the, the take of A&M fans always is that uh, well, we're getting our butts kicked by a higher class of, of teams. <laughs> You know, and like, like that's a good thing. You know, I mean, such a such a crazy thing to say. I get I get all this stuff from everybody calling it the little twelve and how the little twelve. Oh, if they came over here, if Texas came over here to the SEC, they they'd have four or five losses every year. Well, maybe that's so. The thing is, you're having four and five losses yeah. every year. You're a, you're a, a, a middle of the road team in the mm-hmm. SEC, and except for those first two years when when uh, Johnny Manziel was there and really elevated them to a different class. That's what A&M has been in the SEC. And, and until they rise up out of that, you know, you, re- you really can't talk about all the, the things about what the Big 12 is. It doesn't do you any good to say that. If, if the Aggies had stayed in the Big 12, I'm convinced that Johnny Manziel would have gotten them into the national playoffs. Mm-hmm. And they, they were good enough, and they, and they could have done that. And it would have been, and it would have been fun to watch. Uh, it would have been fun to watch Johnny on that kind of stage. Uh, and you know, I, I, but but fans will still say, "Oh no, we made the right move." Well, at first it was the right move because you know we're preserved, we're making a lot of money, and we're preserving yeah. ourselves because the Big Twelve is so volatile, and the Big Twelve is going to, oh my gosh, it's, it's blown up. Well, you know, here we are, and, and it hasn't blown up, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's just as solvent as any other uh, of the of the Pac five conferences. Uh, I don't, I don't like the the setup of having a uh, uh, conference championship game after a round robin season. I don't think that's a good thing. But uh, but they you know every everything is is good. They're they're only making a, a few million dollars less, two three million dollars less a year than the teams in the SEC. Now that's that's not chump change to miss out on that. But if you're playing over here in the Big Twelve, maybe you would have maybe you'd been in the the CFP. Maybe you'd have been one of those teams because you can get in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can get in the, you can get into the CFP through the Big Twelve. A and M's not getting there. 
through the SEC. They're not getting there as long as Nick Saban stays yeah. at Alabama. Well, again, this was where – and so much of what went into the decision was, you know, the the neglected or overlooked little sister or, or, or stepchild. Little brother. Sort of, little brother. Yeah, so, yeah. say that. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't want to get Aggies fans <laughs> even more upset by calling them. But, uh, you know, and, and politically – UT has more clout just because of the of the system, and and they always felt, even if they des- even if they were, uh, the bellwether of the Frank, uh, of, you know, the bellwether you know program, in the in the conference, they would always be overlooked and not have the clout and recognition they deserve on a day to day basis. Now they would have had it going and playing for a national title. But, you know, just in the day-to-day operations. And I think that wore on them over time where they made a decision of, well, you know what, rather than be one of the cornerstones or pillar of a conference, and we're always going to be that cornerstone, let's just throw ourselves into the middle of the SEC and we can just kind of go along. And, uh, and that's what they've been. They've, they've kind of gone along. And, and now their prestige comes from the conference they're in as much as what their accomplishments are. And, and I think that eases some of the sting emotionally of always being, uh, you know, in, in UT's shadow. But are, are you really better off? No, uh, no, they're not better off. And that's and that's been my point all along. You know, you can say, well, they got the, the, the stadium renovation. Well, the stadium renovations were, were already kind of underway. That and was really, going to happen anyway. And, and Johnny Manziel drove a lot of that. Yeah, you that know. was going to happen. And, and then uh, – you know, you went out and, and you clubbed, uh, you know, Jimbo Fisher over the head with your wallet, and uh, and and that would have happened if you stayed in the Big Twelve too. Mm-hmm. Jimbo Fisher did not come to to College Station because they're in the SEC. If anything, it probably gave him pause. You mm-hmm. know, do I really want to go head to head with Nick Saban every year? You know, you know, I, I this is this is not a not a good idea. So, uh, you know, that's that's the thing about that I don't, I've never understood, and I wrote it from the very beginning was that, you know. Vanderbilt's in the SEC too every mm-hmm. year, and what's it doing for them? Nothing, you know. It's not. I mean, they're making money. I give them that. Yeah. You know, but they're but they're not the recruiting angle. That that part's not doing anything for them. A and M was going to do well in recruiting, and A and M was going to you know A and M won in the eighties. A and M won in the in the nineties. Uh, you know, in, yeah. in the old Southwest Conference in the early days of the Big Twelve, they they had some times when they won. Now they weren't dominant, uh, but neither was anybody else really. Uh, it wasn't mm-hmm. it wasn't a good couple of decades for. For any of the Texas teams, frankly, you know, ever since, you know, then that was always the issue with with schools in this state. And it always has been interesting to me, the dynamics of the fact that until the scholarship limitations, you know, Texas dominated uh, because they would just take whoever they wanted, take Mm -hmm. huge classes, take a guy to keep him from going to SMU, keep him from going to TCU, whatever. And then he just sits on your on your, you know, bench for the four years he's there if he decides to stay. Everybody did that to some extent, but the big schools could afford to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when the limitations came in, then everything changed. Uh, then, you, then you saw that. And when you have so many Division One schools in one state, as Texas does, it waters down the product. Sure, you know. So th- that's what's happened. And and you cannibalize your talent base. It's just not going. You're not going to have that critical mass where any any one university is going to. They may do it in one year, right? But are they going to be able to do it three, four? five years to put your program in a position where 
you're uh, above everyone else. It's and, really and hard to fracture do. at all. It's know? hard to do, and you know, and then and you have Oklahoma perched up there like a vulture uh, over the over the state, yeah. and then they're picking off who they want. And Oklahoma's been successful, and they and they have maintained success. They they started under Bob Stoops. He really resurrected the program, and Lincoln Riley's just picked right up where he left off. Yep. He's a great offensive mind. He's going to continue to get really good quarterbacks. He's going to continue to get really good players. So the history shows us that it's really difficult for more than two programs in, the, I'm going to say, Oklahoma and Texas area to really be, top, let's say, top 10 talent in the same season. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's almost impossible for three to do it. It's just not enough blue-chip talent to go around to sustain that kind of thing. So, you know, the question has been, Oklahoma is right there. You know, uh, who's going to be the, the other one? Well, mm-hmm. you know, when we when Art Browse was at Baylor and they were and they were playing sure. well, he had him in that in that position. TCU, TCU, you could do that with Gary Patterson. Uh, unfortunately, for, and, and it shows you what the the problems that a small school faces. Uh, they can it's very difficult to sustain that over a, a four or five or six year period. There, you know, Gary has had a pattern. He did it for a long time. Did it for a long, a long time. time. No question. And I don't I don't doubt that they come back next year and play well. But mm-hmm. they have had some years where they bottomed out. Yeah. Uh, and, and what's great about Gary is. is that he he brings his teams back from that kind of thing. It's mm-hmm. not something that, that just goes on and on, uh, like it has at Texas. Uh, so uh, what? The, the, and getting back to the whole Texas Bowl thing, if you can get A and M and Texas to play there, that would give us all something to look at. That would give us all something fun to talk about uh, for a few weeks and about who's going to win this game. Because frankly. I don't care about any of the rest of the bowls that any of these teams are going to end up in. And of course, neither does anybody else. Nobody really cares about no. bowls anymore anyway outside of the CFP. So play those games. They're, they're, all, they're all local events just designed to you know pump money into the local economy. Now with the playoff system, it's just – why would you care? I mean, you're, you're looking about destinations or, you know, a nice, you know, week for your fan base and your, Houston's, your band. And, Houston's really a nice place at, at Christmas time, too. <laughs> it's lovely. It is lovely. It's probably not too cold anyway. All right. That, uh, I think that'll do it, Tommy. You, you, Tommy, have you, have you, did you wake up? Tommy. Tommy. I'm taking notes. I've been awake the whole time. He's been awake the whole time. Tommy, I think that's going to do it for our our college coverage I was up late at the Cowboys game, as I assume y'all were, too. Yeah, I think we were all there. We were all at the Cowboys game last night. That was a disaster, speaking of which. So we're going to have our uh, our Cowboys uh, discussion here in a minute, uh, and then we're going to also have uh, uh, Rangers talk, talking about they got a a new manager. They did. They got a new manager. Yeah, really. On their 13th person they interviewed. Yeah, thirteen, fourteen. You know, who knows? Actually, actually, I think they uh, that uh, that uh, John Daniels re- uh, revealed yesterday. What was that yesterday? I guess it was Most Monday. Uh, that uh, there might have been fifteen people they talked oh. to, and he said there were other people they would have liked to talk to that either declined. Uh, mm-hmm. I think you know Michael Young in particular. So the number was really getting up there, uh, and I, you know, I, I I hope that that was all a part of just. You know, let's find out what other people are doing. Let's mm-hmm. do a little corporate espionage here. I don't know if that's actually what happened or not, but uh, we'll we'll discuss that with Evan. Evan is at the at the GM meetings uh, in San Diego. A really tough assignment uh, <laughs> going out to San Diego. So we'll have, but he will have him on the phone to talk about that. So for everybody in here, to everybody out there, thanks for listening. Uh, tune back in. Bye. Thanks for listening to the College Football Ballsy Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our weekly episodes on iTunes. 
Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search the Ballsy with a Z podcast. Until next time, sports fans, we'll see you.